well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. So glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with uh, Edgar Antion from the uh, group Guns for Everyone out in uh, Colorado. Uh, you may not have heard of this group. Not, not, not one of the uh, big headline-generating organizations, but uh, they've been around for a while, and they're doing some really incredible work. They're also working on a, a new ballot initiative, hoping to uh, put before Colorado voters in 2024, dealing with the right to carry in a state in which marijuana has been legalized both medicinally and recreationally. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do, though, let's talk about this for a moment. Biden's America, it is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call GoldCo. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. Right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now, let's turn our attention to today's interview with uh, Edgar and Tion of Guns for Everyone. All about this uh, ballot initiative they're trying to put before Colorado voters next November. Take a look and a listen. Edgar, thanks so much for coming to the program. It's great to meet you. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, no, th- thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a couple of things, honestly. We'll, we'll get to the ballot initiative in just a second. But for folks who are maybe unfamiliar with Guns for Everyone, um, tell us a little bit about the group and what your primary mission has been. Yeah, so Guns for Everyone has been around since 2010. And really, our primary mission has been to, to provide free concealed carry classes to the masses and primarily for as a protest, right? Primarily as an activism. Uh, it's kind of silly that in, in the, the freest nation on earth uh, with the constitution and the second amendment to that constitution, we're having to ask the government for permission. And then in many circumstances, having to pay the government for the permission to defend yourself. Um, so it, it, it's kind of silly. And even in, in states with uh, constitutional carry, right? It, it, yeah, sure, constitutional carry, but if you want to do this, you must get the permit. And if you want to do that, you must get the permit. Uh, so the, the free classes are really primarily as, as a protest to that. Um, it's silly that we have to pay for freedoms. Yeah, it is silly. Uh, and, you know, we're chipping away at this, right? I mean, we've seen some states like Indiana say, all right, we're going to, you know, end the fees for applying for a uh, carry permit, which is good to see. Um, that's obviously not the case in Colorado. But uh, how often are you putting these classes on and, and what kind of interest do you get? Uh, who, who shows up for these classes? Yeah, as far as who shows up to the classes is a quite quite a diverse crowd. Uh, professionals, doctors, uh, engineers, um, blue collar, white collar, um, teenagers, uh, kids with their parents. I mean, it, it's really all, all over the place uh, of the, the humans that show up to, to our uh, we've instructed over 100,000 students in the state of Colorado alone. Uh, we've done classes in Florida and Wisconsin and, and California. Uh, we also provide training in, in Mexico, uh, not for the concealed carry, but but live fire training in Mexico as well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty diverse crowd. Uh, we put on roughly about anywhere between six and nine classes a week. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty, pretty full-time endeavor that, that we've, we've created. That's awesome. I got to have you back just to talk about, uh, your activism in Mexico, because that to me is fascinating given the, uh, restrictive nature of gun ownership there. Um, but you know, we yeah, do yeah. see these stories about armed self-defense groups, villagers who are, you know, getting guns illegally to protect themselves against cartels who also illegally possess firearms. So will, will you come back in the new year so we can touch on that and just kind of delve into yeah. that in, in detail? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this is also going to be an interesting conversation because uh, it, Guns for Everyone, you're trying to put a ballot initiative before voters in Colorado next November. And, you know, while this is a Colorado specific initiative, I, I think it's fair to say that there are probably a lot of other states around the country where something like this is is needed. Right. So what is the situation in Colorado when it comes to issuing concealed carry licenses uh, in a state where marijuana has been legalized both recreationally and medicinally? Correct. Yeah. I mean, Colorado was the first state that that legalized it. Completely. Uh, we're the first way, first state to do it. And ever since then, uh, the humans that, that consume that product, marijuana, have been in this this really weird situation in this limbo where um, I may need it medically or I may just do it recreationally because of freedoms. Um, and the ability to defend myself is not there. So a lot of these people are are in a very tough predicament is they have to pick and choose between freedom freedoms do do i defend myself or do i partake in my vice of choice uh something that people who consume alcoholic beverages don't have to deal with right people who consume alcohol um it's a vice it's a recreational thing but yet they're able to own guns they're able to apply for a concealed carry and obtain the concealed carry permit and have the ability to def defend themselves and responsibly still consume their 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 vice of choice, um, not so much for for the marijuana users. So that's kind of what we want to end is we we want to end that we want to essentially have marijuana users be treated just like alcohol beverages uh, users, um, people who consume alcohol. So that that's kind of the goal here in the state of Colorado. Gotcha. And you know, look, I mean, I, I think you would agree that ideally this is something that needs to be addressed at the federal level. We are talking about a DA, DEA classification. Um, and if that can be addressed, you know, I think that solves the problem. You've got uh, legislation like the Gun Rights and Marijuana Act that uh, is pending in Congress, only has like three co-sponsors, unfortunately. But it basically says if you live in a state where marijuana has been legalized, either recreationally, medicinally or both, you can consume cannabis and own a gun without running afoul of federal law. Um, but absent any, you know, movement on Capitol Hill, um, what would this ballot initiative do for Colorado gun owners or Colorado marijuana users who want to be a lawful gun owner? Well, unfortunately, at a federal level, right, if if, if it was an issue of the DEA or the ATF, there's still there's still a small chance that problems could arise. But the, at least that takes it away from local cops from enforcing. Um, it, it's kind of just the same way that, that marijuana has been treated here in the state of Colorado, where local resources are not being used for criminalizing humans that want to partake in, in, in that freedom. So that's kind of what we're hoping with this stuff. And also, obviously, we're, we're hoping to grow momentum so this changes across the nation. Because you're absolutely right, right? This is a Tenth Amendment issue. Um, 
as well as it is a Second Amendment issue. It, it, it's silly that the federal government at this point, 2023, hasn't uh, done away with this. It, it's it's kind of weird that we're still having this conversation um, about this, though. So it's 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 definitely, in my opinion, obviously a, a step in the right direction and hopefully builds momentum and other states kind of catch on to this. Yeah, well, I, and I, I mentioned this in my um, uh, uh, preview when we were getting ready to introduce you that, you know, this is becoming an issue in other states. In Oklahoma, for instance, um, you do have sheriffs who are denying concealed carry licenses to individuals who have a medical marijuana license. In Arkansas, the legislature actually passed a law that said sheriffs can't do that. Um, they cannot use a medical marijuana license as a basis to deny someone a concealed carry license. And now the ATF's got involved, right? They've, they've sent a letter to the... Uh, uh, Arkansas authorities uh, saying, well, listen, you guys use concealed carry licenses as a, as a substitute for a NICS check, which means that, you know, there could be unlawful users of drugs, quote unquote, who are purchasing firearms with a concealed carry license. Uh, and they're trying to put the kibosh on that. So this is an issue. Um, primarily, it's an issue, I think, in you know states where we do have a strong tradition of gun ownership and the right to carry. But I I'm with you. I, I think that this is an issue that Really, we need to be talking more about. I mean, just from a personal perspective, I have a wife with stage four lung cancer. Um, you know, cannabis has been very helpful in some folks dealing with chemotherapy. Um, why should she have to give up either, you know, her right to keep and bear arms or not use something that might help her keep food down, help deal with nausea, help help gain her appetite? You know, and these are questions that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Americans are having to deal with. So this is a big issue. Right. Um, so this week you took the first, it sounds like the first real formal step towards putting this on the ballot. You had a meeting with the legislative council staff in the uh, office of legislative legal services. How did that go? Uh, it went well, and that's really merely a, a, a formality, I guess it, it is a step in, in the process, but they're, they're mostly there to kind of advise you and, and give you pointers and, and potential pitfalls that you might fall into with your, your particular verbiage that you used. Um, so they don't really decide yay or nay, this is approved. They just basically just give you guidelines. This is what we believe could be misconstrued. This is things that you should probably think about so that, uh, you don't get denied, uh, when you go to the secretary of state, cause it's the secretary of state that ultimately decides whether or not they're going to approve the language so that you can move forward in, in this ballot initiative. So that's the real next step. That's the that's the ones that actually approve or deny our, our motion. Okay. And it sounds like the, uh, the, the folks of the uh, legislative uh, council did have some recommendations to sort of tweak the, uh, the language of the ballot initiative. Are you on board with the changes that they proposed? Um, there, there was one of them that, that made sense uh, because it, it would then enter into tackling two issues, right? There was one of them just getting rid of federal law completely in the entire CRS, that's not that wasn't our intention. So pinpointing that to just the marijuana or, or the substance abuse issue, uh, I think that was a, a better way of doing it. So yeah, they, they definitely did have a few pointers where we agreed on. Um, and there was other stuff that was just grammatical stuff and, and some of it was just miscommunication. It didn't translate when, when we sent the file. And um, But overall, I mean, they, they didn't have anything major to say from we, we've done this before, right? This is uh, our second time. I wish we were uh, successful the first time, but um, we've done this before. So they didn't have a lot to, to say about it. But the, the stuff they did have to say was was not, in my opinion, uh, incorrect. Okay. Uh, I think they looked at it the correct way. 
So you say this isn't your first rodeo. Um, what what happened the last time around? Did the did the uh, petition get approved, or was it denied by the Secretary of State? Yeah. No, no, no. Everything was approved. We were in the signature gathering uh, scenario. I uh, one of my my um, downfalls, I guess, in all of this is that I'm not a consumer of marijuana. I don't I don't even consume alcohol. So I I I made the mistake of not connecting with people who know about that the language. But I say pot user. Uh, that's not something that, that a lot of people like in, in, in that industry. They, they like to use the marijuana user. And stuff. So it's it just a lot of my ignorance. Um, also, this was very closely uh, together with uh, the legalization of marijuana. So I think people were still getting over the fact that, that marijuana was legal. And people were still mad and shaking their fists that it had happened. And, and now we were putting on a ballot this initiative to allow them to obtain their permit as well. So I, I think there was a few mistakes that were made. Um, and, and most of it, I, I have to admit, it was just basically a, a lot of ignorance on my part, uh, stuff that we learned from and, and uh, we're on, on the, the right track now. Well, and that's what's important, right? I mean, we learn from uh, uh, our, our failures and we go forward. Um, and so this second time around, do you feel pretty confident that, you know, now that, again, uh, legalization is is a done deal in Colorado, right, uh, for better or worse? And I know that there are folks who uh, uh, believe that this has contributed to the increase in crime that we've seen across the state of Colorado. Whatever your feelings about marijuana um, and whether or not it should be legal, to me, this does seem like a common sense measure, right? The law is what it is. And there are people who are unable to exercise a fundamental civil right um because they have to pick and choose right or they can't use marijuana recreationally they can't use marijuana medicinally because they refuse to give up that fundamental civil right is that an argument that you think is going to resonate with both gun owners and marijuana users in colorado yeah i think on the on the marijuana front i think people are just over it, it it's to a point where where it's just it's been normalized to the point where it, it doesn't even matter, right? So it, it's in Colorado, again, for better or for worse, we're used to the smell. If you go downtown Denver, you know what it's going to smell like. Um, and ultimately, I think more people are starting to understand. And maybe COVID had something to do with this, but I think a lot of people, regardless of where they're on the aisle, on, on which side of the aisle they're on, they're understanding they're, they're only as free as they allow their neighbors to be. Um, so, so I think we, we are headed in the right direction. Colorado historically has been a relatively libertarian state mm -hmm. and maybe not politically, but, but, uh, mentally has been really a purple state only recently did it really turn full, full blue. Uh, but that's only pockets, right? That, that's only pockets. The rest of the state, it's still pretty purple. It's, it's not red. It's not blue. Uh, so I think most of Coloradans will, will, will understand what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. Well, and according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, Colorado is one of the highest rates of concealed carry in the nation. Um, now, it's, yeah. again, it's hard to tell when you've got, you know, constitutional carry states. But in terms of the percentage of the population with an active concealed carry license, I think Colorado is like, what, second or third uh, per capita yeah, yeah. in the country? Yeah, I mean, and, and people, unfortunately, equate us to to our recent anti-gun bills that, that have happened. But again, it, Colorado is, is historically a... a gun tone state i mean we we forget in 2013 uh democrats in in pueblo um they recalled their senators uh, because of anti-gun le legislation 
and Pueblo, uh, Pueblo County and the city of Pueblo is, is largely primarily a democratic city and a democratic uh, county. And they were the ones that said, we, we don't agree with this stuff. Yes, we might be blue, but we're gun toned blue. Um, so we're counting a lot of, on, on a lot of those people who, who understand that, that you can have both. You, you, you can be on the blue side and on the red side and just love freedom one way or another. Yeah. I was uh, only not I, be part of either of them. Right. I was on the ground in Colorado for that uh, recall election. Uh, I was there at the watch party when the results were, were coming in. So yeah, I'm, I'm well aware. Uh, yeah, a lot of other folks might've forgotten, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm well aware that, um, there is a lot of bipartisan support for the right to keep and bear arms, which is one reason yeah. I think why the anti-gun forces in Colorado have not been able to go as far as they would like. I mean, things have gotten worse over the past couple of years, but, um, you know, the gun control advocates haven't gotten everything that the, the been on their wish list. Uh, and I think in part because there are still some Democrats out there who support the Second Amendment. Uh, so what is the next step now? You've, you've had this meeting with the, uh, uh, you know, legislative staff group to help kind of tweak the language. Do you then present this to the secretary of state? What what's the uh, the next step in the process? No, it's essentially starting back all over again, essentially. It, okay. It's, it, uh, we, we haven't received an actual number on the, so we haven't gotten the, the informal approval from the Legislative Council saying that they, that we agree on the changes. So just tweaking the, the verbiage, resubmitting it, and then they simply give us a number so that we can then take it to the, the Secretary of State. And then we'll have a hearing, I'm, I'm assuming at this point, sometime mid-January, uh, it's it's a relatively quick process. Uh, I'll give them that. I'm not a huge fan of the government, but in, in terms of uh, the bureaucratic process, it, it's actually pretty pretty quick. Um, I submitted this uh, this the second week in December, and, and we already had the first meeting, so it, it's actually pretty quick process. Uh, so I'm hoping that mid January we'll we'll have that Secretary of State hearing and get the approval, and then start collecting signatures. Okay, so then uh, how long will you have to collect how many signatures? We have uh, six months, but it's election year, so we really definitely want to get it uh, way, way before the six months. Yeah. Um, so you, usually, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, six months that we have to collect okay. 125-ish thousand signatures. Our goal is really to get more like 150, 160, um, obviously to compensate for all of the people that are doing it on <laughs> maliciously and uh, not using the, the correct information. Yeah. Right. But assigning Donald duck or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I'd love to have you back once the secretary of state approves this and then you start the signature gathering process, I'd love to have you back on to talk about how you're doing this. But um, it sounds like, you know, again, you talked about learning some lessons from the last go round. Um, do you plan on reaching out and engaging with, you know, dispensaries and gun stores uh, to try to put these petitions out uh, for customers to sign? Yeah, um, that, that's kind of the goal is to reach out to, to the dispensaries. A few of them helped us out last time. Uh, now there's there's a lot more. Um, a lot more gun stores are, are open to this as well, but also using um conventions and, and uh, venues like that. Colorado has a big 420 event. Um, I, again, I don't partake, so I don't, I don't go to these events. So I'm yeah, see, that wouldn't even cross my mind. Discomfort. <laughs> You're correct. So I'm going to have to set my discomfort aside and go to these events. Uh, and also, technology has changed a lot, even in, in the 10-ish the years um, from, from the beginning of the marijuana movement here in the state of Colorado. Well, 
the the recent one that got everything passed um technology's changed the way we use technology has changed so that's going to be an advantage to us this go around as well is just to just simply the way we consume information is uh, a lot easier and a lot more digestible so uh, we we have an advantage this time do you are you anticipating um vocal pushback from gun control groups uh, in the state not only gun control groups, but unfortunately, people who who claim to be on our side. Uh, it happened last time as well, where where some gun groups here in the state of Colorado uh, were vocal about uh, supporting uh, our decision to to move forward with the stuff. So um, we're we're expecting from from anti gunners, and, and unfortunately, we're we're expecting it from people who support the the gun movement or, or gun uh, ownership to push back because of the marijuana issue. Um, so we're expecting both. Yeah, that is frustrating. And and I think it's one of the reasons why we haven't seen things like the gun rights and marijuana act attract a lot of co-sponsors in Congress because, um, and I'm going to simplify it, but you know, I think a lot of Democrats don't want to do anything that's pro gun. And I think a lot of Republicans don't want to do anything that's seen as pro pot. Right. So if you can put again, those sort of biases aside and say, again, this is the world that we live in. Right. And so how do we ensure that people have access to, the, the rights without, um, you know, criminalizing something that, uh, frankly, again, is already legal at the state level. I, 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 you know, maybe it's just the the inner libertarian in me. Um, the arguments against this just don't really resonate with me, but uh, I know that they're there and, uh, and and I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the months ahead. But, um, Edgar, if, you know, if we've got any folks out there who are um, listening or watching and, and they want to get involved, they want to help out, they, they live in Colorado and the They'd like to volunteer. How can they lend their support to the cause right now? So as, as of right now, the, the best way to do it is, is gunsforeveryone.com. If you go to our website, there's a way to contact us. You can follow us on the social uh, on all of the social medias uh, under Guns for Everyone, um, primarily Facebook, Twitter, and, and um, Instagram. You can follow us under Guns for Everyone, get a hold of us there. Um, and obviously, shamelessly down the line, we're going to need donations as well uh, to to kind of help support this. So whoever wants to help out with that, but best way to get a hold of us is, is either through our website gunsforeveryone.com, social media is guns for everyone, um, and and send us a message because we are going to need the help. Uh, absolutely, we're going to need the help. Yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes to uh, talk with us about this today. We'll definitely be talking more in the new year. And uh, Edgar Antion, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Cam and Company. I appreciate it. Thank you. My thanks to Edgar for joining us on the program. Looking forward to uh, following what's going on with that uh, ballot initiative in the new year as well. All right, before we get to today's Armed citizen story, now our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. Let's uh, talk about this once again. Biden's America, absolutely crushing us with companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Plenty of Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know. And again, a digital dollar that can be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. Truth is, you need a plan. You know it and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story. Our good deed of the day 
and our recidivist report. We will start there uh, with a uh, case out of Ohio where a, a man has been sentenced to probation in the non-fatal shooting of a 16-year-old girl. That's right. Uh, I guess I, this is so bizarre to me. This is in Columbus, Ohio, where, by the way, um, the city attorney, the mayor, trying to pass all of these local gun control ordinances that they say are uh, necessary to fight violent crime. Not really. What they're trying to do is undo firearm preemption in Ohio. If you really want to fight violent crime, I don't know. How about provide some actual consequences for violent crimes? 19-year-old Devin Howard sentenced to three years probation and the completion of a risk reduction program uh, after he uh, pleaded guilty to shooting a 16-year-old girl in May of this year. It was uh, May 11th when a 16-year-old girl was shot in her right arm uh, in the uh, South Linden neighborhood of Columbus, Ohio. She was taken to a local hospital. Non-life-threatening injuries, thankfully. Witnesses told police that Howard was responsible for the shooting, which reportedly took place inside of a uh, home where multiple children were present. Howard pleaded guilty to one felony count of aggravated assault. And again, the 19-year-old sentenced to three years probation for that violent crime. I don't want to hear any more talk about, oh, we need these local ordinances here regarding safe storage. We need these local ordinances regarding lost or stolen. You want to reduce violent crime? Ensure that violent criminals face consequences for their actions. And that did not happen here. Today's armed citizen story from LaGrange, Georgia, where police say a man shot and killed a suspect in self-defense during a robbery attempt in the uh, Georgia city. Happened Wednesday night. Uh, victim, uh, well, the suspect slash victim identified as a Jonathan Daniel. Department said officers responded to a home on Garfield Street in LaGrange where they found that Daniel had suffered a gunshot wound and was later pronounced deceased. Detectives, uh, during the course of the investigation, discovered that Daniel and another suspect named Antonio Stevens tried to rob a man at gunpoint. They say Daniel pointed his gun at the victim, which is when the victim pulled out a gun of his own and fired at Daniel, shooting and killing him. Stevens was arrested uh, yesterday, charged with felony murder in the death of Daniel, the uh, homeowner, who acted in self-defense, not facing any charges at the moment. The investigation does continue. We'll keep our eyes open for any updates as they become available. And finally, today, in the right place at the right time, we'll unable to do the right thing. A uh, Florida Wildlife Commission officer and a good Samaritan who saved a man after his uh, car ended up in the water in Sarasota County, Florida. You know, this is not the first time we've uh, run across stories like this, but uh, thankfully this one does have a happy ending. According to a, a news release from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, the agency responded to a request for help when a uh, car drove off a seawall near the Albee Bridge on Saturday. Kelsey Dalton arrived on the scene around 6 o'clock in the evening and reportedly saw the car floating uh, facing north in the intercoastal waterway. She then jumped into the water, swam over to the car. While she was doing that, there's a um, guy named Dominic Yaka, a uh, retired Marine who is now a bartender, who was uh, just happened to be at the scene. He saw what was going on. He, too, jumped into the water. Uh, FWC said with the help of a good Samaritan, they were able to smash the window with uh, Dalton's baton and pull the driver, a 69-year-old man, out through the window. Uh, Dalton then grabbed her dive mask and returned to the vehicle to check for any passengers. Uh, thankfully, there was nobody else in the car. Dominic Yaka spoke with WWSB a couple of days after the crash. He said, you know, he was somebody's father, somebody's brother. He was somebody. And I said, I'm going to do the best that I can. We're not going to fail here. And he didn't. Thanks to the uh, quick work of both Yaka and Dalton, 
the uh, 69-year-old man, safe and sound other than minor scratches and bruises. Uh, he gets to celebrate Christmas with his family, and his family gets to celebrate Christmas with him. Thanks again to the quick thinking and the fast actions of uh, Dalton and Yaka there in Sarasota County, Florida. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. Now, we will be off um, for a couple of days next week. In fact, I was planning that this would be um, the last Cam and Company of the year, but uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> We're actually going to do a show next Friday, and I am looking forward to uh, taking part in a uh, sort of a, a you know a, a year-end uh, wrap-up, right? We'll kind of talk about the uh, big stories of the day, the challenges ahead in 2024. Uh, but I do want to remind you that uh, right now, Town Hall Media has a great special going on. Uh, if you are looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, why not give the gift of a VIP or VIP gold membership? That's right, sixty percent off if you use the promo code Merry Christmas. Just all one word. Go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. 60% off the uh, savings for a VIP or VIP Gold membership. Not only will you get exclusive content uh, from uh, those of us here at Barry and Arms, but if you are a VIP Gold member, you're going to get exclusive content across the Town Hall Media family of websites. You're going to get access to all kinds of great live chats, including our weekly live chat with uh, Hot Airs at Morrissey, which we do each and every Wednesday. And you'll get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you're supporting the independent pro segment of journalism that we do here at Bearing Arms. So again, just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code Merry Christmas, and you can get 60% off of your VIP or VIP Gold memberships between now through January 1st of 2024. We will see you next week with a year-end wrap-up edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But in the meantime, again, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Be well. Be safe. And be free.